Welcome to the Alex Kennedy Podcast, which is part of the Basketball News Podcast Network. This is our 11th episode. We post every week, so make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, I'm joined by a senior writer and editor for BasketballNews.com who has covered the NBA for the last six seasons, my colleague Spencer Davies. Spencer, thanks for joining me. How are you? Alex, my guy, thanks so much for having me on here. feel privileged to be on the Alex Kennedy Podcast. Really excited to do this. I appreciate you for joining me. Uh, It's been a crazy week, free agency, the draft. We had our live streams that we were doing as part of BasketballNews.com. And uh, I appreciate you joining me as my right-hand man at Basketball News, helping me edit articles, write articles, run the site. How's your experience been at Basketball News so far? Man, it's been everything and more. I've truly appreciated just not only the the work that we've done, but also just the, the networking and the connections that we've made. Uh, you know, working with separate players and, and, and their podcasts and everything, you know, from A to Z has been really fun, it, it truly. And, and I'm not just saying that, like, you know, when you get into this business and, and you finally, you know, latch on and get your, you know, full time, full time work. It's just like it's a dream come true, man. I mean, I get to talk to a bunch of, you know, players past and present, uh, you know, interviews and, and do podcasts like these and, and just talk about basketball, man. I mean. Think about the live streams that we just did last week. We talked for four hours on almost all of those. Like, it's just ridiculous how much we talk hoops, but we love it, and that's why we're in here. Yeah, it's so much fun. And weeks like this are always the best where you have, especially in a condensed offseason like this one, where you have draft, trades, free agency, and it's all back-to-back-to-back. So we're doing live streams every night, and they're just always you know stuff to talk about. And then with Basketball News, it's been cool, too, because not only you know can we work with a great staff of journalists, but then we also have these players that have just been so much fun to work with. And we actually have a few additional players that we're going to be adding soon. I can't really say a whole lot, but we will have some big announcements pretty soon that we're pretty excited about. So, yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, I always love the transaction periods, whether it's the trade deadline or the draft or free agency. It's always so much fun with, you know, keeping track of all the player movement and discussing it all. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, Obviously, we've had so many different changes from team to team. Uh, So we want to talk about uh, kind of where teams stand and break down some specific situations. So we're going to do a buy or sell game where I say a statement and then we have to choose whether or not we buy or sell it. Uh, Pretty self-explanatory. So we're going to start with the Charlotte Hornets, the first buy or sell. The Charlotte Hornets make the playoffs. I'll let you go first, Spencer. I mean, how can you say no? Even though they spent a pretty penny on Gordon Hayward, okay, you bring in a rookie like LaMelo Ball who is supposed to make an impact right away because of his talents, obviously, as a playmaker uh, and, and just a difference maker uh, for that for that team and for that lineup as well, uh, next to a guy like Devontae Graham who just blossomed last year uh, as close to a mo- most improved player status. And then you have a guy like T- Terry Rozier as well uh, who can fill it up. Uh, you know, you, you got to address the, the the center position a little better. Um, but I think that scoring-wise, these guys are going to be in fine shape. Uh, they're going to be more fun to watch, in my opinion. Um, now, I'm not going as far to say that they're going to, you know, make it past the first round. But, I mean, you have to consider the talent that they have on their team now. And some, you know, we're not even mentioning guys like Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington uh, you know, these kinds of, of groups that, that come together and mesh that that veteran slash uh, young dynamic. I think that with the coaching of James Borrego, especially for the development of, of LaMelo Ball, I think that uh, they could be fun to watch. They could be fun to watch 
Uh, I do not think they're going to make it past the first round, but I could see them, you know, hitting that seven, eight seed type of, uh, you know, finish for them. So I, I will go ahead and buy that. Yeah, I think it's really close. I'll buy it too, but it would not surprise me at all if they missed the playoffs. I mean, one thing I'll say is they were the ninth seed last year. They had 23 wins. Uh, you know, they, they finished well above teams like uh, Detroit, Atlanta, Cleveland, you know, the bottom of the standings. I think right now everyone's kind of looking at Atlanta and thinking, oh, wow, they, they added all these, you know, key contributors, and we're going to get to them in a bit. So I think if you look at the, the standings, I think we all, you know, we can kind of look at the teams that we know are going to make it, barring crazy injuries or big changes. You know, look at the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, 76ers, Nets, you know, that right there, that leaves two spots. I mean, do the Pacers stay in the playoffs? Do the Magic stay in? Where do we have the Hawks? So, I mean, it, it, I think I have them potentially in the play-in game or the eighth seed, but I don't, I still don't love their offseason because I think what they gave Gordon Hayward, that money, it's just hard to justify that for, you know, a chance at making the eighth seed. Now, I can see them sneaking in, but it just seems like a lot to give up for, you know, a first round exit, a first round sweep potentially against a team like Milwaukee, probably. So I don't know. I I could see them missing it, but I guess I will buy. It's just very close for me. I mean, it really depends on first of all how healthy is Gordon Hayward, how effective is Lamelo Ball from day one. Is he going to be a, a guy that contributes right away, or is he going to be a guy that needs some more time? Uh, I I don't know. I, I think I think they make it, but I'm not too confident in that. I I, I would not be surprised at all if they're you know the ninth or tenth seed again. That's the you know the reason that that I have them in there though is I think that Orlando takes a step back. I don't know, just have a just have a funny hunch about that. Yeah, I mean Indiana could blow it up too. There's been the rumors about you know Victor Oladipo, Miles Turner. So I, I think you know it seems like they're going to stick with this current group and and you know try to run it back. And you know if that happens, then I think they're a pretty talented team. But there's also the possibility that they just blow it up before the trade deadline. So I don't know. I, I think. Orlando could take a step back, and then the question is, which of these teams, the young teams that are t- looking to make that next step, Atlanta or Charlotte, kind of make that leap into the top eight? That's kind of the big question, but we'll get to Atlanta here in a bit. The next buy or sell, the Clippers will improve their record in 2020-21. So that last year, it was a weird year, obviously. We didn't have a full season because of uh, COVID and everything like that, but the Clippers had a uh, 68.1 winning percentage. They won 49 games, lost 23. Do you have the Clippers improving on their uh, record from last season? So just regular regular season record, not how they finish in the playoffs? Yep, just regular season record, buy or sell, they will improve. Can I take a push? Nope, I won't because, allow it. Because here's the thing. <laughs> you know, everyone's, you know, poo-pooing on the, the Clippers because of everything they've lost. You know, they lose... You know, a guy like Montrez Harrell, who was like the heart and soul of that bench. They lose Jermichael Green, someone who's a really, you know, key component to the bench as well. Reggie Jackson, somebody who's still in free agency yet. Uh, but but here's the thing. I, I think you know, maybe it's my bias for Ty Lue because I know how good of a, a coach Ty Lue is and how well he connects with his players. I think that they're a better team. I do. I think that the Clippers are a better team. Uh, you know, like if you were to ask me, you know, getting getting Luke Kennard in that trade, uh, that three way trade on draft night, I think uh, does leaps and bounds for them as, as somebody who can create for himself and create for others. We that's something we don't really talk about because no one really, you know, sees the Pistons on a national stage. But Luke Kennard can can play make a little bit and he can get to the rack. Uh, you know, adding someone like Serge Baca that was huge for them. So I'm I'm in a sense where, uh, man, you know, I love 
Montrez Harrell. I think his energy off the bench is awesome. When when he is locked in and engaged and he's you know barking and all that stuff, it's so fun. But with Ibaka, it, it, I think that he's just a better offensive player. I think it gives you more value on both sides of the ball, and he's able to stretch the floor a little bit because he, as you've seen in the past you know couple years, has tremendously improved as a three point shooter. And you know he can you know you know get in there and and block shots. I think that even though the chemistry between Lou Will and Trez is never going to be replicated, I think that something can develop between those two uh, off the bench. And I think that it's it's an improvement to tell you the truth. So I'm I'm buying that the Clippers get better. Um, but I, again, on the regular season record, I think they're somewhere around the same record. I think they had 49 wins last year. Let let's put them at 49 and a half, 50 wins. How about that? Yeah, I'm going to buy it too. And I, I think the biggest reason here, first of all, the Serge Ibaka signing saved their offseason. Because if, if we're having this conversation and they weren't able to replace Trez with Serge Ibaka, then things are looking real rough for them. But Zubac would have had to play such a huge role. And, and that's another thing that we didn't even pick up on too, is that Zubac improved so much. So now they're going to be you know, focusing on him getting a, a more uh, you know, expanded role as well. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is it's not even just about the moves necessarily. I think the biggest thing is just they're going to have more continuity, more chemistry. You know, I think a big reason why we didn't see this team, you know, play to their full potential last year in the regular season. And they were good in the regular season, don't get me wrong. But, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George played 38 games together. Uh, and they were 27-11 in those games. And there was no question this team was so much better when they were both on the floor. And we saw with Kawhi, they continued the load management approach and were very patient with him and cautious with him. Paul George had the injury. So, I mean, we didn't see them play a whole lot of games together. So I think this year, and I mean, we saw what happened in the playoffs. They struggled because they weren't on the same page and they weren't communicating. And they all admitted afterwards, after all season, kind of laughing at the thought of, oh, chemistry is an issue and denying reports. We saw it was absolutely an issue in the postseason. So I think this year we're going to see those guys play together more, first of all. Um, I think the coaching could actually improve, as you mentioned, with Ty Lue, Chauncey Billups, the staff that they've assembled. So, I mean, I think the coaching change, the fact that the stars should be out there more, the fact that they have another year of experience under their belt, that's a huge thing because it's hard whenever you put you know multiple focal points together on a team and just say, hey, figure it out, especially when they're not playing together very often and there's injuries and load management and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I actually buy this. I think they're going to be better. Now, I don't know if I think... You know, I think Montrezl Harrell is a huge loss for them. I do think that. Um, you know, he was very effective last year. Serge Ibaka obviously helps that a lot and, and again, saves their offseason. But my biggest reason for buying this is just the fact that they're going to have more time together and should play more together this year. So I could absolutely see them having, you know, a better winning percentage this year. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see how this team looks. It's going to be very different. But they really needed some changes, you know, honestly, after what we saw in the bubble. I know some people just said, you know, run it back and – you know, just hope that things can kind of improve. But I, I think the I, I like the fact that they're being aggressive, especially because we could see Kawhi Leonard and Paul George potentially walk after the season. So they really have to make these aggressive kind of moves, you know? Yeah, and I've seen it firsthand, too. I mean, I, I've been obviously I'm in Cleveland and I covered that team that had Kevin Love, LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. And it took them a minute. I mean, they got to the finals. Don't get me wrong. They got to the finals four straight years, but still. Uh, you, you know, it took a minute for that to kind of gel together. That That's what, you know, kind of bothers me about when, you know, people are saying, oh, this guy should play with this guy, play with this guy. And all this, you know, player movement is that people kind of just undervalue the the importance behind continuity and chemistry. 
And uh, that's why I'm really curious to see what happens in Brooklyn this year. Uh, because even though they're an immensely talented team and have a great coaching staff that's loaded, uh, I- I'm curious to see what it actually looks like on the court when they haven't technically seen the floor together. So like th- that's that's what I think kind of gets you know too much you know the spotlight yeah. is is that people don't see how chemistry plays a factor into this stuff. Yeah, fans will always get excited about the player movement and, you know, winning the offseason because it's sexy, but then the continuity and chemistry goes a long way and you really need to develop that. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest difference between, you know, last year's Clippers and this year's Clippers. Hopefully those guys can play together a lot more. And, you know, I'm curious to see how they kind of approach Kawhi's load management and just kind of how they, they run this team. But I think I think that's why, you know, they'll show improvement. Uh, the next buy or sell, the Knicks will have the worst record in the NBA. I'll let you go first. Ooh, okay, so so again, I'm here in Cleveland, so uh, <laughs> that one, that one. But but here's the thing too on, on Cleveland. I don't think they're gonna have the worst record just because they have a couple all stars in the front court. So I'll just put that out there right now. Um, oh man, that's really tough. I um, yes, yes, I'll buy that. I'll uh, buy that. Uh, well, well, wait, wait, wait. Wait, I'll sell it. I'll sell it. I, I just remembered something. Oklahoma City is yeah. starting three draft picks. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So that right there, okay, I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell on that, actually. The, the Knicks will be the second or third worst team. Let's just go there. So that? that's, that's what I was thinking, too. I think the Knicks will be the worst team in the Eastern Conference. I think OKC will have the worst record in the league because the difference, too, the Knicks, I think, want to compete and they want to win. OKC, I feel like they're we've seen if they get anyone that has any se- you know any semblance of trade value, they're going to swap the guy out for picks or you know move them. I, I think we could we could absolutely see Trevor Ariza get you know waived, bought out. We could see Al Horford get traded. If, George Hill, yeah, any of these yep. guys that are actually producing before the trade deadline, they're going to try to swap them out for picks. So you know we were wrong about this Thunder team last year. Obviously, we no one thought they would be able to make a run and go to the playoffs. So they exceeded all expectations, but I just can't see that happening this year when you look at the they roster. Don't have it's so different. <laughs> yeah, it's so different. So I, I think, honestly, I, I don't think they necessarily want to compete this year. They're, they have a very long-term view what they're doing right now. So, yeah, losing Chris Paul, losing Steven Adams, losing all these different guys, Danilo Gallinari, you know, it's a very, di- Dennis Schroeder, it's a very different team. So I think they're going to have the worst record in the league. And I think they're absolutely fine with that. You know, they have a million picks over the next few years. So they're not too worried about it. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think uh, I'll have to sell this one and go with OKC. So I think we agree there. Uh, next up, buy or sell. The Phoenix Suns are a top three seed in the Western Conference. I got to sell that hard. I got to sell that hard, hard. I've seen that, actually. And that's no no disrespect to Phoenix. But you're telling me the continuity that L.A. has, being the Lakers, you got to think about the Nuggets and what they've established. Hell, you got to look at Utah, now that they just got Donovan Mitchell to assign that rookie extension, that rookie max extension. You got to look at Dallas, who's coming up. You got to look at Portland, who just had probably the most underrated offseason of any team. Like, there's just too many ahead of them. Now, can Phoenix get into that four, five, six range and maybe, you know, get into the second round? Sure. I mean, the Western Conference is always, always, always competitive. But top three, I got to sell that hard. I, I'm sorry. And and that's, no again, no disrespect to, to what 
you know, Devin Booker and Chris Paul are capable of. I loved what I saw from Mikel Bridges last year. Cam Johnson, DeAndre Ayton's obviously going to take a big step. We talked about that on the live stream, but come on. I mean, they, you cannot put them in the top three in year one. That's how I feel too. We were, it's funny. Uh, I'm really, I like what they've done this offseason. Don't get me wrong. And we were talking about it yesterday. We were making a graphic about, you know, the Suns offseason and just kind of putting their new look roster in a graphic. And we were like, man, this team's so deep. Like, where do we cut off? the guys that we're putting in the graphic because there's so many guys that we could technically feature as part of this rotation. So I like their depth and I think Chris Paul is going to be amazing for that franchise. I think he's going to work wonders for DeAndre Ayton. I think it's great for Devin Booker. We saw him benefit next to Ricky Rubio and now this is like... Jay Crowder was a big pickup for him too. Crowder's amazing pickup. They re-signed Dario Saric. They bring in Langston Galloway, Etwan Moore, these veterans that I think will help them and provide shooting. I mean, I love what they've done. But I was surprised to see some analysts putting them at number three or number four when I've seen like the early projections for the Western Conference. There were a few different people on Twitter where they were saying my early picks and they had Phoenix at number three. It was like Lakers, Clippers, Suns. And that surprised me because I, I think this team should make the playoffs and obviously that's going to be the goal. But I can't, I don't have them that high just yet. Like you're saying, it's going to take some time for everyone to gel. It's also going to take some time for this team to kind of learn how to, you know, become a, a top seed or a contender like that. I mean, you have a lot of young players that they're relying on. And granted, they played amazing in the, in the seeding games, in the bubble. We saw that. So, I mean, they already were entering this season with some momentum. And I love the pickups that they've made. You know, again, these are proven guys that can that can really help them and not only help them on the floor and really get the most out of Booker and Aiden in their games, but also from a culture standpoint. Someone like Chris Paul, we saw it at OKC. He's going to push these guys and create a winning culture. So I love the pickup. I just don't think I can go as high as number three or even number four just yet. I think, you know, five, six, I have them in that range for this year. And look, maybe, maybe it's the OKC thing all over again. And Chris Paul makes us all look silly and has them as a top seed in the Western conference. And we all look really dumb. That's very possible. I, I just can't do it right now. I can't predict them that to go to be that, you know, seeded that high just yet. And I didn't even, you know, mention a team like the Grizzlies who didn't make the playoffs, but were obviously on the rise. Like there's just so much competition in the Western conference that you just can't make a, you know, a, dis- a definitive prediction like that. And, and, I mean, recency bias is always going to dominate the, the NBA news cycle, let's be honest. Yeah, I think Lakers, Clippers, and Nuggets are the three that I would say are the ones that, you know, I, I you know, put ahead of them for sure. And then, yeah, Dallas, Portland, Utah, those nec- that next group is the one where you're like, or that's the group where you're like, okay, well, any of these teams could potentially finish higher. So we'll see. I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what the Suns team can do, but certainly I'm happy for Suns fans. I mean, this is the most exciting team they've had in a while, and they've had to deal with Sarver and some of the things in Phoenix there. So I'm happy that they are going to have a winning team and should be able to make the playoffs again, but uh, I can't, I can't, I can't go top three just yet. Um, next up, buy or sell, Anthony Edwards will be rookie of the year. I'll go first on this one. I think Anthony Edwards, he's my favorite prospect of the top picks in this draft. And I think if we're talking long-term, I can see him just having a a great career, being a star player. I know there were some people that were talking about this draft and saying, okay, I'm not sure if there's a superstar player. I don't know if we'll see Edwards or LaMelo or any of these guys develop into a star. But I think Edwards has the highest upside, the most star potential, in my opinion. I think... 
you know, what he can do on the court is ridiculous. He can make tough shots. He's an athletic freak. I just love his game. I don't think he'll win rookie of the year, though. I'm going to sell this. And the main reason why is because he's joining a team that has Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. And I think that the player that's going to win rookie of the year is going to be someone like a LaMelo Ball or uh, an Obi Toppin, uh, who is going to have the ball in, this, in his hands a ton and be a number one option or a number two option and really be able to put up crazy stats because we've seen, I mean, with rookie of the year voting, the team success doesn't matter that much. Now, if two players are producing about the same, then sure. Team success will kind of be the tiebreaker, but we've seen that it typically is determined by your individual stats. So that's where I have a hard time feeling, you know, predicting someone like Anthony Edwards can win it because I think he could end up being the best rookie in this class if we're talking long-term. But as far as rookie year, I don't know if he'll be able to put up the same numbers as some of these other guys that will have the ball in their hands and have every opportunity to succeed from day one. So that's my pick. You know, I, I, I will sell this just for that reason. I'm going to go ahead and sell it too and join you there. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. You got to have opportunity in order to be a rookie of the year. Uh, you got to have the, the, the right kind of setup for you. It all kind of has to fall into place. Uh, you know, like if you're talking about a quote unquote weak draft, uh, you know, you can look at Malcolm Brogdon a few years ago who won the rookie of the year and he was picked in round two, <laughs> you know, like it could be one of those types of drafts, but I will go ahead and say this. Uh, I think that Killian Hayes is going to be the rookie of the year just because of the opportunities that are going to be presented to him in Detroit. Uh, you know, like it's just, you know, you bring in Jeremy Grant, somebody who's been, you know, a tertiary or maybe even fourth option his entire career going to try and you know be that that main guy but i think that he's going to need someone to play make for him a little bit uh you know get him his looks not only that but play off of him a little bit um you, you know like and again i know the topic's uh, anthony edwards but it's just you need to have an opportunity you have to have a chance to to really produce in order to be rookie of the year right like you're not going to get you know rookie of the year if you're not averaging nearly a double double or something like that you know like and i'm looking at this class and I'm like, uh, you know, like who's really going to have the ball in their hands? Who's really going to have an opportunity to make an immediate impact, but in the stat sheet. So that, for me, that, that automatically points to Killian Hayes for me. Um, but, uh, that's just, that's just my opinion, but I'm going to go ahead and also sell that. Uh, and again, that is not a knock on Anthony Edwards's talent. Uh, I, I did want to make a quick comment on Anthony Edwards. I know a lot of people read that article on ESPN about how, you know, people are unsure if he loves the game because he loved football as a kid. Here's the thing, guys. He's 19 years old. You know, when we were all 19, we, we all didn't know what we want, probably. And and this is a situation where he is going to to thrive in. He's going to have great teammates around him. He's got a great coaching staff with Ryan Saunders. He's going to be just fine. And we've already seen the physical tools and the athleticism. And we know he can get hot. So I, I would say you leave it at that and, and let the let the kid develop. Yeah, I agree. Real quick, we have some breaking news to discuss here. Uh, while we're recording this, the Sacramento Kings have declined to match the Atlanta Hawks' four-year, $72 million offer sheet for Bogdanovich. So let's talk about that for a split second before we get back to the buy-or-sell game. Um, now, Woj tweeted that, and he also said, the Kings' front office labored over the decision but kept coming back to new GM Monty McNamara McNair's plan to maintain roster flexibility, keeping Bogdanovich would have severely limited the organization's ability to continue reshaping the team around its young core of De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, and Buddy Heald. 
Uh, and then once Tyrese Halliburton dropped to the Kings at number 11 in the draft, they suddenly had a deeper, more talented backcourt than they originally anticipated heading into free agency, which also factored into the decision. So this is big for the Hawks. Again, we're, we were going to get to them in a second anyway, but I guess we can just you know jump ahead and make them the next buy or sell here. But what do you make of the Kings' decision to pass on matching this offer sheet? And, and then we'll get to the Hawks' side of this in a second. I know a lot of people like to beat up on the Kings, but what was it? Four years, $72 million? Yes. I kind of agree with them here. And especially when you look at the draft decision to take Tyrese Halbert out of Iowa State. Uh, I know a lot of people had him probably in the top 10 in a lot of mock drafts. Um, you know, the the backcourt's going to get crowded. You don't you don't know what's going to happen with Buddy Heal, but it sounds like they're committed to him, regardless of how, you know, both parties feel about each other and, or what rumblings are going around. Um, I, I do like the, the core that they have there. I think that you know, obviously, De'Aaron Fox signed his rookie max extension over the weekend. You have, you know, Buddy Heald, as I mentioned already. Marvin Bagley, we still got to see what he is when he's healthy. Uh, but I, I think a lot of people just kind of gloss over the fact that they have Harrison Barnes. And Harrison Barnes, that guy goes unappreciated in my mind as one of the, you know, the, the top, you know, secondary, you know, tertiary type of, of, of role player uh, in the league. I, I think that he's, uh, you know developed over the course of his career very nicely. It's been a gradual, steady, uh, you know, curve. I know a lot of people were <laughs> kind of taken aback by the money that the Mavericks paid him in his first free agency. Um, but I, I think that he fits in that culture over there in Sacramento. Obviously, they're trying to turn things around. And, uh, you know, some of the, the trades that they were, they were making or reportedly trying to make were making people scratch their heads, like that Bogdanovich trade that got, you know, completely nullified. Um, but I think that they caught a little break here. Um, and and I, I would not pay him that amount considering what is already on my team. That's not saying that Bogey isn't worth what he was being paid by the Hawks, but for that organization that just invested all that money into De'Aaron Fox and, and is probably going to have to invest that money in somebody else down the road, I think that it's a good idea not to match it. Yeah, I think you can like this for both sides. I like this contract for the Hawks. I wouldn't have liked this if the Kings had matched. And my biggest reason why, it seemed like Bogey, you know, I think he'd been outspoken and did not want to be in Sacramento. I think he made that pretty clear. He was very frustrated. Uh, if if it's true that they tried to do a sign and trade without his knowledge to the Bucks, I could see that further complicating things with the relationship there. So I think he's wanted out for a while. There's been rumblings of that, that they were going to try to trade him and that he was never going to resign there. So not a huge surprise. Now they could have just matched it and said, oh, well, deal with it. We've seen that happen before players. You know, Eric Gordon comes to mind where he was begging the team to let him go. And they just said, nope, we're going to match you now. And there's something to be said for this in Eric Pincus, who is the great salary cap guru that was on our live stream. You know, I saw the him. Greatest. He's amazing. Uh, I saw him tweeting and saying, you know, he would have matched if he were the Kings because you don't want to let an asset like this go. And I understand that. I And typically that's the camp that I'm in. You don't let the asset go. You match and then try to trade him. So you get something back in return. You don't lose him for nothing. But I don't know. I, I, I just wonder uh, 
obviously the sign trade thing didn't work out. They tried that route and it didn't it didn't really work. Um, so I don't know. I see both sides of this. If they had matched, they keep the asset and maybe can trade him later. But you would have had a really disgruntled player who did not want to be in Sacramento. So I don't I don't mind the fact that they let him go. And for Atlanta, let's talk about the Hawks now because they've had an amazing offseason. I know there's been some people criticizing them saying they shouldn't have sped up their process. They should have really waited and saved their cap room. But I think there was some pressure from, you know, the higher ups basically saying, hey, we want to make some win now moves. We want to compete. So go have an aggressive offseason where you bring in veterans. I know they wanted to bring in uh, a veteran leader so that they could kind of mentor Trey Young and teach the young players. So that's where kind of Rajon Rondo and Danilo Gallinari come in. Uh, Gallinari is a great scorer to put alongside uh, Trey and and now Bogdanovich as well. You know, you you really add a lot of shooting and scoring to this group. Um, So it's interesting, you know, this, this Hawks team was a team that was fun to watch last year, but they won 20 games. I mean, they were a young team that was really just learning on the fly. They had, uh, you know, they traded for Clint Capella if you look at the last, you know, I forget how many months it's been, but their, their most recent moves this offseason, not only do you draft a Kongwu, you get Danilo Gallinari, Bogdanovich, Rajon Rondo, Chris Dunn, you trade for Clint Capella at last year's trade deadline. I mean, I love what they've done recently, and I'm not one of those people that feel like this was rushed or that they should have waited things out. I think this is a really interesting group, and... You know, we talk about whether or not the Hornets can make the playoffs. It wouldn't surprise me if the Hawks made a big jump and were in the you know in the mix for the eighth seed. When you look at just the talent this team has, this this is going to look like a totally different team next year. They're going to be really really good offensively. I don't know how they're going to be defensively. That's kind of the big question at this point. But I like this team a lot, and some of the guys that you know we've seen uh, have started for them are now going to move to their bench and, you know, provide some nice depth there. So I I think this is a really, really interesting team. I did not think uh, several months ago that the Hawks and the Suns would be two of the teams that were, you know, high on my league pass rankings, but here we are. Um, So yeah, I, I like what the Hawks have done. I'm a fan of their moves and now buy or sell. I'm going to put you on the spot here. The Hawks will make the playoffs. We already said, see, this is where I, I maybe, maybe I shouldn't have said the Hornets will make the playoffs. Maybe I should have sold that. Because I feel like I believe in this Hawks team more than I believe in the Hornets team. So maybe I'm going to re- reverse that and say I'm going to sell the Hornets and buy the Hawks making the playoffs. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm breaking all the rules here. But uh, the more I think about it, the more I like this Atlanta team, even more than Charlotte. Man, the Southeast is just going to be packed full of these guys trying to fight at the bottom. Um Except for Miami. Shoot, yeah, you're, I mean, <laughs> you're right. So one of those teams would have to take a step back, a major step back. It would have to, oof, because you're looking you're looking at the standings here and which one of them do you think is not going to make playoffs? That's, oof. Right, I don't, I don't think there's a scenario unless, again, barring crazy injury, where Charlotte and Atlanta yeah, exactly. both make the playoffs. Because, yeah, I mean, Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Miami, Philly, Brooklyn, we can... I mean, I'm pretty sure those are all guaranteed. And then even Indiana, again, if they don't blow it up, then Indiana, who won 45 games last year, should be back in the playoffs. So then it's like, okay, well, if Orlando takes a step back, that creates one spot. But, and again, there could be injuries or things like that that were not, you know, that are unforeseen. But 
I don't know. I have a hard time. I, I don't know who's going to be able to sneak in. And I, I guess I just have more faith in this Atlanta team than I do this Charlotte team because Charlotte's relying on a guy that has played very limited games in the last three years that hasn't looked like himself except for a few you know stretches. But even still, in those stretches, he looked better, but he didn't look like Utah Gordon Hayward. Uh, LaMelo Ball is a guy who I think still has a lot of developing to do that may not be able to make a huge impact from day one like people are expecting. You know, I think he'll be good, but I don't think he'll be you know, John Morant good, let's say. So then if we're talking about that, then it's like, okay, well, how can they beat out this Atlanta team or this Orlando Magic team? You know, Devontae Graham, I, I think he was fantastic last year, but I don't know. I, I guess I just have, maybe I should have uh, thought about this more before I bought the Hornets making the playoffs because I just don't see it, especially when we talk about this Hawks team. Now that we know Bogey's there, I feel even more confident about this Hawks team. So I'm going to have Hawks in the playoffs over Charlotte. Okay, cool. Um, just because we have not disagreed on anything, I'll just stick to the script, and, and I'll still sell it. Um, here, here will be my my argument. Um, the The defensive end of the the basketball, like you were saying, is going to be pretty tough. But I, I will say this: th- their bench unit is going to be really tough to score on because they're going to have Okongwu, they're going to have Reddish, they're going to ha- likely have DeAndre Hunter. And you're looking at that front court, and I'm like, wow, Chris Dunn in the back. Yep. Maybe even Solomon Hill, someone you forgot to 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 mention that they brought in. Like that's a t- <laughs> that's a tough group to score on. But the starting lineup, that's a different story. Uh, so the the rotations I'm interested in. Uh, I'm super excited for Lloyd Pierce, by the way. One of the one of the really good guys in the league. I, I I've talked to him a few times uh, when they've come up here to Cleveland, and he's just a joy to talk to, and he's a great person. Um, so, so really happy that he's gotten a, a roster like this to, to, to play with a little, um, it, it's, it's going to be hard to sell them, but just for the sake of the game, I'm going to sell them. Uh, even though, you know, you make a compelling argument with the, with the Hornets, um, and, and the, the continuity for, I, I'd say in their stages of where they are as teams respectively, I will say they're in the same stage. Yeah. Um, Charlotte. Oh God, we already talked about Charlotte, but but there's just I like James Barranco. I do. Um, so maybe it's something about the way that that he coaches or something. I mean, I know they don't have a big guy, but the, I mean, the Hawks lost a lot more than than the Hornets did this offseason. I mean, if you look at just who they, you know, lost in the offseason, it's just it's a lot more. And I know that's kind of a weak argument, but like a guy like Jeff Teague. Uh, who's who's somebody that you know they're used to having around? You have you know Vince Carter's not going to be in the locker room anymore. Uh, you know uh, they have Dwayne Dedman, who really, I mean, really honestly didn't do much, uh, but he was still a solid presence in that locker room when he got you know traded over to him. Um, it, it, it's it you know it's it's lesser guys that they've lost, but maybe you know just for the sake of chemistry. Uh, yeah, it'll be a little bit tougher. I think it's less but, about I think it's less about who they've lost and the fact that they have so many new faces that they're going to have to figure it all out on the fly yes. in a and weird that goes season. Back to your point, yeah, that goes back to your point earlier um, about uh, the Suns, yeah, and the you know the the Nets that we were talking about. So let let's just go based off of that because I mean I'm really trying to think of an argument to myself if you can't hear myself thinking out loud <laughs> <laughs> about why the Hawks won't make the playoffs and the Hornets will. Uh, let's just go with the, the the Hornets. You know they've had the same, you know the same locker room, and and this one, Atlanta. And also, I will say this: Atlanta is going to have more of a spotlight than Charlotte will. So how do the Hawks? How do the young Hawks 
uh, slash, you know, guys who are joining like like Gallo and Rondo and and Bogey now. Like, how do they respond to the spotlight when they're expected to to be lifting the young talent uh, right away? Whereas the Hornets, I think everyone's laughing at that Hayward deal. Maybe he makes us laugh. You never know. I hope so. To be clear, I, I think I want to see Hayward succeed because, you know, obviously he had the horrible injury in 2017, and it sucks. I feel bad for guys whenever they get these huge contracts. I mean, <laughs> as as bad as I can feel for someone that's making $120 million, but it always sucks whenever, you know, these guys get bashed. It's like, oh, you're overrated, you're overpaid, blah, blah, blah. But, like, at the end of the day, it's not about – it's nothing personal. We We have to objectively – analyze these things and I think Nikias Duncan who writes for us at basketballnews.com did a fantastic job of breaking down why I'm so scared about Hayward and I shouldn't have I mean I made the mistake here I kind of screwed our game up by buying the the Hornets initially and then completely reversing course and saying I'm going to sell now but Mm -hmm. in his in his article uh breaking down the winners and losers of free agency he had the Charlotte Hornets as a loser and he explained you're paying 120 million dollars to a guy who hasn't made an all-star team in three seasons who's played in only 125 games over the past three seasons due to lower body injuries, which are always concerning, and he may still be dealing with a nerve issue in his foot from that catastrophic injury in 2017. So, I don't know. I think the Hawks have more balance, too, whereas you look at this Hornets team, they're relying a lot on a rookie who may not be ready for day one, you know, to be who may not be super NBA ready to be a star right away, and a guy who has missed a lot of games in the last three years and hasn't been an all star. I could just see if if Hayward gets injured, it's over for Charlotte. They're not a playoff team. Um, whereas that's fair. I think that's Atlanta's fair. more durable a bit. But anyway, we spent enough time talking about these two teams. To uh, your point, by the way, on Hay- on Hayward, just want to say I was there for that catastrophic injury. Oh, I forgot like, about that. Person. Ugh. It was it was the opening night. It was Kyrie Irving's first game as a Celtic against the Cavs after that big trade for Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder, and it, that was like so horrible to see and to to see the you know all the players react to that stuff. So you know, fast forward two years later, three years later, whatever it is, and to see him get a contract like that, I'm I'm happy for the dude. Yeah, no, That's me too. Yeah, I'm happy that he got got paid because I mean people were thinking it could be career ending like it was that kind of injury so I am happy for him too it just I I just have some doubts about you know whether he can hold up uh so we'll see uh next buy or sell Dwight Howard's stint in Philadelphia will be as successful as this past season in Los Angeles buy or sell Ooh. Ooh. so I'm gonna go ahead uh and buy that one actually I think I'm going to buy that one just because we all know we all know Joel Embiid's injury history. And this is in no way, you know, wishing bad upon Joel Embiid. I think he's the most exciting and funnest funnest isn't a word, but more most fun <laughs> most fun big in the league is as far as his his ball skills and his ability to kind of wow the crowd. His engine is ridiculous like when he can, you know, get full speed to the rack uh, and and be able to you know just get on the block and just bully guys. I love watching Joel Embiid. Uh, that said, we know what his injury history is. Uh, so you're gonna see you're gonna see plenty of games where Dwight gets these random spot starts, and you're gonna see these games too where if Joel needs a breather, that Dwight can just slip right in. 
Um, maybe he's going to average more minutes. I don't know. It depends on on how much you know rest Embiid needs. You know, the load management side of things tells you that Embiid's probably going to be sitting out back to backs, or however many back to backs are going to be in this you know seventy two game season. Dwight last year finally understood what it means to sacrifice for uh for a team, and he played his role. He was the garbage man. He was the person that was up getting lob dunks, not slowing down possessions by posting up and whatnot, but playing his role, defending the the opposing team's best bigs, sometimes switching out and, and you know getting out into the to the side where where the ball handlers are and you know forcing them to the other side, whatever he had to do. That's what he did. He sacrificed. So he knows now. He knows. So I think that from now on till the end of his career, he understands now. He gets it. So I, I don't see him being unsuccessful for the rest of his career unless he gets put in a crappy situation where he has no role. But I think that 20-minute-per-night role is perfect for him. And again, if need be, if Joel Embiid does get hurt in some situation, boom, you have an insurance policy with Dwight Howard, and you know what he can do in a starting role. I'm selling this, and here's why. I think I was completely on board with everything that you're saying up until not too long ago. I felt like, finally, Dwight figured it out. And we've talked about this on our live streams that we've been doing. I covered him in Orlando. I've known him when he was in Houston and you know, known his camp. And people in his life have been telling him for so long, just focus on rebounding and defense and don't worry about being the star player or how many shot attempts you're getting or you know, uh, all the off-court things like your endorsements and how you're marketed and all that kind of stuff. Just focus on those things and make those sacrifices because that's how you win a championship. And you're right. He did that in Los Angeles and it worked. He won a title. And then I thought, okay, the guy figured it out. He's going to continue to make those sacrifices and accept a lesser role. And he finally, you know, he got to win a championship and see what that feels like. And his sacrifices paid off. So why wouldn't he continue doing that? And then I'll be honest with you, his comments that he made recently to basketballnews.com, Aton Thomas's podcast, The Rematch, which is part of the same podcast network that this podcast is on. That interview was a 45, 50 minute interview. And throughout that conversation, he said a number of things that made me wonder, was that just a one year thing for Dwight? Because he said, it was very difficult for him to go from being a star player that got all the points and rebounds uh, and shots to being a role player. And he basically said, I'm still that same player that can do those things. I just made those sacrifices because I wanted to win. So he was definitely hinting at, I can still be a superstar player that can average 20 points per game if I'm put an opportunity. And basically, but I promised the Lakers I would be on my best behavior and sacrifice. Then he started saying, last year was one thing, I I don't want to butcher his quote, but basically, Aton Thomas asked him, does he want to return to the Lakers in free agency? And he said, yeah, but I feel like I've earned a contract, I don't want to play for free, and basically hinted at, look, last year I was willing to do whatever, and you know, accept whatever role, and accept whatever payment they would give me, because his career was on the ropes, and he did those things. He turned his career around, won a championship. But then he's saying, now I want a contract. I don't want to play for free. It seems like he didn't take away the lesson that we had hoped he would take away and continue to sacrifice and change his ways. 
it seems like he was like, yeah, that worked really well. Now I showed that I can do those things. So I should be rewarded with a bigger contract and a bigger role and all that. I don't know. I And as someone, again, that's known Dwight for a long time, I'm not convinced that he's going to be that player that just makes sacrifices. And I am not, I also think, and this is something that when Jameer Nelson was on my podcast not too long ago, he talked about this in Los Angeles. He was surrounded by great leaders. Uh, whether you're talking about LeBron James or Rajon Rondo or Jason Kidd or all these different guys that were excellent leaders that kept him in check in Philly, he's surrounded by, you know, guys that I'm not so sure will check Dwight like that and say, Hey, if you're not on your best behavior, we're going to get you out of here. Um, so I, I don't know. I have concerns about Dwight. I think that interview and apparently that interview also concerned the Lakers because Ramona Shelburne of ESPN was on the hoop collective podcast with Brian Winhurst. And she said that they had every intention of resigning Dwight. And then those comments kind of scared them and they were wondering, okay, we got the best version of Dwight, the exact way we wanted last year, but they weren't confident that by bringing him back, they were going to get that same Dwight. They thought they were going to get the Dwight that, you know, needs more touches and what has that ego and doesn't want to make those sacrifices. So I think just because we saw it for one year, I'm not ready to say it's going to last long-term. I hope it does because I've wanted to make these changes for years and people have been in his ear telling him to make these kind of changes and sacrifices for years. But I guess those are my concerns. Just hearing what he's saying recently, it sounds like he's kind of approaching this as, look, I did that for a year. I told Lakers I'd be on my best behavior and look, now I earned this bigger role and bigger contract and blah, blah, blah. So, and then just the fact that he doesn't have the same leaders around him concerns me. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. I'm going to sell this. I hope it works out for him. And I can still see him being very effective in terms of his stats and his role. I just don't think you're going to get the drama free Dwight that we saw in LA. AK, he's got Doc Rivers and Danny Green. It'll be fine. Danny Green was with him last year and now he's got Doc as his head coach. He's going to be fine. I think that, that, Here's the thing with me, and I know that he still has plenty of athleticism left because he was blocking guys and he was in the dunker spot a lot last year for those lobs. But Father Time's going to come for everybody. He's going to figure out real quick that he's not a 25, 30-minute-a-night type of guy. He's going to understand that real quick. Uh, he turns 35 uh, December 8th, according to uh, Basketball Reference. So... That right there, I think, is going to kind of force that on him. Even if he does, if he is pull, pulling pulling our legs uh, about what happened last year in L.A., I, I think that regardless, it's just going to catch up to him eventually. Yeah, and I guess the one positive thing is he did you know, join this uh, 76ers team knowing that he'd be playing behind Embiid, which shows— And he took less money. And he took less money. He took less money because there's, there's more role. Well, it sounds like, I mean, based on what Ramona was saying, it sounds like he kind of took that deal out of spite because he was upset with the Lakers. But I don't know. I think ah. the fact that he took that uh, role knowing, okay, I'm going to be behind Embiid, maybe he will be on his best behavior. We, we will see. I don't know. I just, that interview did concern me a bit. So we'll see kind of what comes of that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping that he continues to just produce the same way he is and not cause any problems in the locker room and all that. But I don't know. I guess I need to see it for more than one year to believe it's a long-term thing now. Um, a few more here. Buy or sell. The Bucks got significantly better. How about a little better? Does it have to be significant? 
So yeah, go ahead, sell and just say explain why they got a little bit better. Uh, That's okay. Uh, I don't want to, but I don't want to make it look like I'm I'm you know trash in the box because I'm not. Um, I think that going out, a lot of people were saying, wow, you paid that much for Drew Holiday? I was like, yes, you did, because now you want to try and get Giannis to stay. That's exactly why they made that move. They had all of that in the back of their mind, knowing that you had to do the the best you possibly could to get Giannis to sign the dotted line on December 21st for that Supermax. So they went out and got Drew Holiday, one of the most respected guys around the league. Okay, And then you went out and tried to get Bogdan Bogdanovich. It didn't work. Um, so that relationship with Dante DiVincenzo, I'm sure, is going to be really fun uh, come training camp here in a couple weeks. I think that Holiday is basically going to bring you that element, the closest to what they had with Malcolm Brogdon when the Bucks really took off. Okay, um, I, I know that he's not quite as much of a setup guy as Brogdon. He's a little bit more of your, you know, combo guardy type of point guard um, with the ability to score. And definitely uh, Drew Holiday is a little bit less of a, a better shooter than Malcolm Brogdon. But just to have somebody to organize, you know, not, someone who's not going to try to, you know, just spot up on the perimeter and, and shoot threes, even though, you know, that's not the strong suit, like what Bledsoe did, essentially. Um, I think that the length's going to help them. I think that just having a guy to set things up and organize and get guys into their spots, you know he's a, you know, a, a solid vocal leader that he's always been. Um, he's just a, just a competitor, man, and, and he's been waiting for his moment to kind of make that jump too. I mean, he's entering the prime of his career now, uh, 30 years old. He, he's ready to, to take that next step because I don't know the clo- what's the closest that Drew Holiday's been to a conference finals or, you know, the second round of the playoffs, what have you. Um, it's just, it's it's time for Drew to take that step, so I think that's a good time to trade for Drew. Uh, now, their, their bench definitely took a hit. Um, they went out and got DJ Augustine to replace George Hill, which I think is a solid pickup. Not He's not George Hill, but DJ is, he's been around the league for a long time now. He knows what he's doing. He, they probably saw what he did to them in the first round of the playoffs in the bubble, and we're like, hey, you want to come on over? Um, Bobby Portis, I think this is an underrated pickup because Bobby basically had this, like, you know, in uh, inconsistent role with the Knicks last year, I want to say. Uh, we know what Bobby's capable of. We saw that in Chicago. Um, and he earned that deal over with the Knicks, even though the Knicks had, you know, 1,000 power forwards at the time. Um, I, I think that he's going to be a really solid addition uh, to that second unit for them. So I, it, it's just hard for me because, again, you lose that continuity that we continue to harp on. But, I mean, you just look at, you go down the list of who they lost. They lost Bledsoe. They lost Hill. Wes Matthews was one of their best defensive guys last year and, you know, occasionally was big time uh, as a three-point threat. Sterling Brown, I know how close that, that you know, close-knit he was with that locker room. So losing someone like that was big. Uh, you have a, a veteran like Kyle Korver that you've lost. So you're, you're trying to replace all that, okay? And, and that's not easy. But you still kept your guys together, your starters together, your your Chris Middleton, your you know Giannis Antetokounmpo. You didn't lose Brooke Lopez. 
So it's going to be a different team. But I think this one kind of fits a little better to Mike Budenholzer's scheme, if you know what I'm saying. And then you have to look at the draft, too. I mean, they got a couple guys in the second round that might be able to make this roster. Jordan Nwara and Sam Merrill. I know a lot of people are, you know, really excited about that kid, even though he's, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, you know, because he was the 60th pick. Uh, but a lot of people were, like, high on the prospects of Sam Merrill. So who knows with that? But uh, I'm going to, you know, sell this one, but not convincingly sell. I'm going to buy it. I really like their offseason. I feel like the biggest reason why people are kind of, you know, down on, on their moves is because you look at the Bogdanovich addition and what that would have meant for this team. I mean, we were live streaming the night that that happened whenever the, you know, it first leaked and we're thinking, oh my God, they got Drew Holiday and then landed Bogey shortly after. I mean, we were talking about how is any team going to beat them in Eastern Conference? This is huge for them. And then whenever that move falls through, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well now they just got Drew Holiday. Whereas if you had told Bucks fans or just, you know, if we had said a few weeks ago, hey, they're going to land Drew Holiday DJ Augustine, Bryn Forbes, Tory Craig, Bobby Portis. I mean, like, you go down the list of the guys that they were able to add. If we had said that, you know, a few weeks ago, I'm sure Bucks fans would have been thrilled. We're going to land Drew Holiday? Every team wanted Drew Holiday a few weeks ago. We heard there were rumors of half the league showing interest in Holiday. And I agree with you. Three first-round picks is a lot to give up. And if Giannis, I wonder if they ha- if they know something that we, we don't, and that's why they're willing to give up so much. Because if they, if Giannis does leave and they don't have him on the roster. This team's going to be, you know, they're going to fall down the standing significantly. And those picks are going to be amazing for New Orleans. But, you know, half the league wanted Holiday. That's a huge pickup for them. And I, I agree with what you're saying. You know, they did lose a number of pieces, but I think DJ's a perfect fit. I think Bryn Forbes is super underrated. Torrey Craig, I was surprised that Denver let him go. And he's. Yeah, I didn't even mention those two, Forbes and Craig. Yeah. And Craig might even be in that starting lineup. Right. Honestly. That's what I'm thinking, too. I could totally see him being in the starting lineup. And I think he is, you know, such a good perimeter defender and, and he's versatile on defense. I, I think they did a really good job of getting deeper. And, you know, there wasn't the second, you know, there wasn't a Bogdanovich level move next to Drew Holiday, but. You know, if if they did make that move for Bogey, they wouldn't have been able to address you know some of that depth and add some of these other players. So I don't know. I think we're I think we're comparing this offseason for the Bucks through that lens of oh well they didn't get Bogey, what could have been. But if you just look at their offseason and and kind of take that out of it and just look at the moves they made, I'm pretty impressed. I think Holiday, like you said, not only is he going to help them so much, you know, on the floor, I think off the court too. I think he's really going to get along with Giannis. I've never met a teammate or, or talked to someone that didn't like Drew Holiday. I feel like he's beloved and everyone that's played with him has adored him. You know, we saw him get teammate of the year last year uh, and people just love playing with him. I think he can really help. And like you said, you know, it's been a while since he's been on a team that was able to go deep in the playoffs. I want to say it was 2011 that, you know, they uh, Philadelphia went and played like 13 playoff games and went on that deep run. Uh, it's been It's been a while. He's been on, you know, rebuilding teams. And even still, he's been you know, the consummate pro and everyone loved him. So for him, I'm sure he's pumped to be able to join this contending team. Um, So yeah, I will say they got significantly better. You know, I think Eric Bledsoe, this team went as far as they could with Eric Bledsoe. And while I think he gets, you know, some, I think it's a bit unfair because I do think he is productive and and he did provide certain things for for Milwaukee. Obviously, Holiday's a huge upgrade over him. Um, 
I do think losing George Hill will hurt, will hurt, but that's where I like the Augustine signing because that does help a little bit. You know, it's not like they're relying on uh, someone who's unproven to step into that, uh, you know, backup point guard role. Um, and then I also think, you know, the, like you said, their they're, they're big three of Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Brooke Lopez, they're obviously back. Um, I don't know. I, I think the Bucks will be significantly better. I think Mike Budenholzer has to make more adjustments and... You know, he can't just stick with his game plan and, and not tweak it and make in-game moves and, and changes. That's going to be important. And hopefully he learned from this past postseason. Um, you know, I wish he had learned sooner because he had the same issues in Atlanta, uh, but he wouldn't make those changes. But I think this was a fantastic offseason for the Bucks, And the biggest reason why some people are down on it is because they didn't land bogey. But regardless of that, I, I like their move. So I actually do have them getting significantly better. And the thing is, too, before before we move on to the next buy or sell, the thing, too, about people talking about the Drew Holiday trade and saying it wasn't all that great, let's be honest, it, it's revisionist history, first of all, and second of all, it's because everyone is trying to get Giannis into that free agency market next year, and that's anyone, all anyone wants to talk about. That's literally it. So anything that the Bucks do that's even seen significant, like as the littlest, you know, little detail that they do wrong, they're going to hold it against them that much more. So that that right there, I think it, it kind of brings a bias into a lot of people's opinions about what the Bucks are doing. I totally agree. And you see it. I mean, other fan bases, they want to rag on the Bucks for different things because they want I think they're trying to, you know, point like, hey, this wouldn't happen if you were, in, you know, in Toronto or if you were in Miami or name the team. I mean, so, yeah, they're just under a microscope right now. And every little thing is going to get criticized. And I get Bucks fans being frustrated over the Bogdanovich stuff because they're thinking I mean, we kind of covered it on our live stream. So I don't want to get too much into it. But basically, they were like, we didn't leak it. It's not like the Bucks announced that the move was done. A reporter just put something out there. Uh, sure, it kind of sparked the NBA investigation, and they might have found that they were, you know, discussing things before the uh, the date where it was allowed. But I don't know. I, I think it is frustrating to know that like a tweet limited, you know, stopped this team from being uh, just absolutely loaded with with bogey on there. But I, I think it was a good off season nonetheless. Uh, two more buy or sell. Demarcus Cousins will emer- will reemerge as a key contributor in Houston. I certainly hope so. Um, he certainly has an opportunity to. Uh, now it just all depends on what that rotation is is going to be for, um, in Houston. You know, like it, it's I, we don't know what Stephen Silas is gonna gonna lean towards. Uh, we know they just brought in Christian Wood, so that right there, I'm I'm assuming Christian Wood's gonna be the starter. No, um, I'm gonna go ahead. By reemerge, that that's it's kind of vague. It is. It's kind I, of vague. I noticed that too. I was thinking about like, okay, are we saying it's he's kind of vague? Are we saying he's going to be like a I starting mean, caliber player? Are we saying he's going to be a good role player? Like, what are we really saying here? I guess. Right. Right. I'll let you define so, it. <laughs> how about reemerge in the sense of in a rotation? You know, plays the majority of the season and averages over what seventeen, eighteen minutes a game. Well, see, then I think that would that would be a great story, but I'm thinking, can we see him reemerge to, you know, Boogie Cousins level? Six, no, not. I mean, he's never going to be that again, sadly. But to what he was, even with the Warriors in those 30 games when he put up 16 points, eight rebounds, like is that doable for him? I don't think those statistics are doable for him just because of the way that team plays. We don't know whether. You know Russell Westbrook and James Harden are coming back in the first place, but if they do, 
there's no chance that Boogie's going to touch the ball as much. Um, I'm curious of how he would fit with this Rockets team uh, just because of their style. Uh, you know, like, we're used to Harden and Westbrook having a, like, lob threat and somebody who's a rim runner and stuff like that. Boogie isn't a rim runner or anything like that. He's somebody that you put on the block. He's someone that's either, you know, hanging out on the perimeter. I don't even know because we haven't seen the Rockets have a center in, you know, months. Yeah, I'm so confused so, so, like, by this Rockets team. This is team. a very difficult question. Yeah, I have no so, idea like, what to expect from the Rockets because not only, you know, could uh, it sounds like based on Christian Wood signing and DeMarcus Cousins and, and all that, it sounds like they're moving away from small ball and saying, okay, that was a Daryl Morey, Mike D'Antoni thing. Now we're going back to traditional put a big man down there. And Christian Wood could play at the four next to Cousins. I mean, he played 50% of his sure. time at power forward last year. So, I mean, maybe they go both of those guys and all of a sudden they're playing big again. But I don't I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see kind of... I don't see James Harden and, and Russell Westbrook feeding the ball to, to Cousins on the block. Let's just say yeah, that. Yeah, and I guess a starting lineup would have to be... <laughs> I mean, the, the problem is, too, we don't know what's happening with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Like, will these guys be there? I'm assuming because... They haven't made a move yet, and we haven't really heard anything hilarious. about it. Um, yeah. And, but, I mean, let's say, I mean, if those guys are still there, I'm guessing the starting lineup is Westbrook, Harden, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, Christian Wood. So Cousins probably comes off the bench. I guess I just don't – I feel bad saying this because, you know, I, I want him to do well, but I just don't – even with even with his stint with the Warriors, he did not look like himself. And part of that was because he was coming back from the Achilles injury, so – and that takes time. But and I will say actually, whenever we were out at Impact Basketball last off season, or I guess maybe yeah, last yeah, off it was, season it was, it was a cu- it was yeah, it was last off season or a couple yeah yeah or, no yeah it was right before he joined with the Lakers yeah that's when we were and I mean we were hearing that he was you know working out every single day super early and looking amazing like the people you know our good friend David Amata and Joe Abunasar out there they were saying that he looked fantastic and they were really excited to see what he could do with the Lakers because he he did seem to be. Uh, you know, skinnier and in great shape and ready to go. So that's why it was so disappointing when he got injured because he felt like he was going to have this really big bounce back campaign and show people, hey, you know, I've, I, even though he wasn't as effective after the Achilles injury, I think it was also because he played, I mean, it was 30 games. Uh, he didn't really get a chance to shake the rust off. So he was really hoping he could bounce back. And I mean, maybe maybe he can emerge and still be, uh, you know, a a threat in the low post. Now the problem is during those 30 games with the Warriors, he shot the ball really poorly. He went from being, you know, a 35, 35% 37%. Yeah. He, yep. I mean, his, his shooting, his three point shooting percentage dropped by 10 percentage points. So, I mean that he needs to be able to shoot the ball if he's going to, you know, be, be in Houston. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and be effective. But and that's just, it's just so, so hard. This Rockets team, we have no idea what they're going to be. We have no idea who's going to be starting. We have no idea what they're doing at all. So, and, or who's even going to be on the roster come, you know, uh, January. So it's really, really hard to predict what's going to happen. How about this? How about this? I sell him as a rocket, but I buy him when he gets a contract after this season, because I think that he will, I think that he lasts throughout the season. I think that he shows teams that he still has that gear left in him. And then someone picks him up in 2021. I'll sell that. Unfortunately, I, I just have a hard time. I think he looked so different last time and he's going to be 31 years old this upcoming season. Uh, so I don't know. It's just, I, I have a hard time buying it. And he, he's all, he's also had so many injury issues now. Like, is it possible? Does he stay healthy throughout the year? And I mean, clearly 
clearly he he he's betting on himself with this kind of contract because he signed a non-guaranteed deal. So there wasn't clearly there wasn't interest from other teams that on a on a guaranteed deal. Um, otherwise, he would have taken it. I mean, it's almost like Dwight Howard last year, like that. He needs a Dwight Howard esque year where he shows, hey, I'm healthy. He also, I mean, there's teams too that still have the concerns about Demarcus in the locker room and being kind of. Uh, you know, uh, a guy that's difficult to be around and uh, and temperamental. So, I mean, some teams are like, no, we're not going to touch this guy with a 10-foot pole. So there's that, similar to the Dwight situation too, where some teams were just like, yeah, we're not introducing that to our locker room. So, I mean, you have a number of factors here where clearly there wasn't interest from other teams if he's signing a non-guaranteed deal. I don't know what we're going to see from him in Houston. I hope that he's able to be effective, but I have my doubts that he can continue to be that, you know, uh, double double type player. Uh, hopefully he can just emerge as a backup center, and like you said, get another contract after this. You know, somewhere, uh, especially because it seems like after this off season, centers are being rewarded. But in a summer like, or it's not summer, but in an off season like this, where so many big men are getting rewarded and being valued at this crazy high level that none of us really expected, for him still not to be able to get a guaranteed deal is somewhat concerning and it shows that other teams clearly don't think he's the same player anymore either. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe again, he did apparently look great at impact basketball. He was working extremely hard. I know he's been rehabbing, you know, and he was working at the Lakers facility and people have raved about him. So hopefully he's able to kind of bounce back and have some kind of productive season. I just don't know if we're ever going to see even that warriors level boogie again. That just sucks. It does. It does because we remember how, dominant he was in Sacramento and even for New Orleans that one that, that one and a half year stint with New Orleans that was incredible in New Orleans next to AD that's when you kind of developed a three-point shot and he was just killing it out there blocking shots draining threes dominating from everywhere like yeah that the Achilles injury that's I, that's another reason that I'm kind of hesitant here is because we've seen guys that size that have Achilles injuries it's so hard to come back from that and you know we've seen that when you've had an Achilles injury not only is it hard to you know produce at that level again it's hard to stay healthy because guys have a bunch of other injuries that pop up like i had a conversation with chauncey billups about this after he had the achilles injury he kept saying like i started feeling like myself again and then i would hurt my leg and then start feeling like myself again and then i'd hurt my ankle and then i'd hurt my knee and i'd hurt my calf and like it just every it's just always something new and he he didn't know what it was but apparently that's common when you have an Achilles injury that you just start re-injuring yourself a bunch in different areas so that's also the concern especially someone at his size that you know staying healthy could be an issue so i hope not like i don't want to seem like we're ragging on the guy and being really negative but um hopefully he's effective i just have my doubts injuries suck they really do last one buy your cell the Lakers actually let's turn this into a two part one. Buy or sell. Oh the Lakers will have the best bench in the league. And then buy or sell. The Lakers will repeat as champions. Now, I'm gonna buy the best bench in the league just because they now have the six man of the year and the runner up to six man of the year with Montres Harrell and Dennis Schroeder. Uh I think that I'm just still blown away by the Lakers and what they were able to do this offseason. Like, I did not think Montrezl Harrell was even an option for them. Like, when we talked about possible targets for the Lakers, I thought, okay, they're probably going to run it back. Maybe they can get some ring-chasing veterans that want to go there to play alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I had no idea that Montrezl Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, Marc Gasol, that, like, some of these guys were even options for them. So I'm so impressed what they were able to do. Um... So, yeah, I'm going to say that they will have the best bench in the league. Uh, 
and then I think they're going to win it all again. You know, I part of me wants to take the field just because there are so many talented teams out there. And like again, I I am high on what the Bucks were able to do. I think the Clippers they're going to come back and have more continuity, and they still have a ton of talent. It's just you look at that rotation that the Lakers have now. And it's hard to bet against them. So, you know, trading out JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard for Marcus Gasol and Montrez Harrell, trading out Rondo for Schroeder. I mean, I'm going to go by, but I am tempted to take the field, but I'm going to go by. I'm going to go by on both of them. Ooh. I don't like being put on the spot when it comes to, like, prediction predictions. Uh, this one I'm having a tough time with because do we know that Schroeder or Harrell won't be starting. Like one of them might be starting. That's like, actually true. We could see Harrell because start they're, they're gonna, next to AD. It would make sense. And then Schroeder could start too, actually, now that you mention it. That is a that's great what I'm point. They don't have Avery Bradley anymore. They don't have Danny Green anymore. Obviously, you can probably pencil in Wesley Matthews to start. But Well, I mean, we'll be, I don't know if Wes Matthews will start. It might be KCP. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. So we don't know. So we don't know. So I don't know what this bench looks like. So I'm going to sell it right now. Okay. I'm going to sell it because I don't know what the bench looks like. That's fair. Oh, man. It's... Mm. Do they repeat? Well, they have a lot of moving parts. They have a little... You know, they lost... They lost a lot of experience, but they also got new experience. I mean, you look at a guy like Marc Gasol, who's, you know, won a championship. And it's awesome that he's repeating history, by the way by doing what his brother did coming on over to the Los Angeles. And that's who he was obviously traded for. Like, that's a cool kind of storyline to, to, to wrap things up. Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. Real quick. I mean, it is, it is, it is LeBron James. It is Anthony Davis. Yeah. And now that they've tasted gold, you're, you're in a world of hurt if you're the rest of the league. <laughs> you are in a world of hurt. Yeah, and it's, it's not. Go I mean, I was gonna say too, like continuity wise, that for whatever reason, this team, even though they did have a new focal point with Anthony Davis, even though they had so many new faces, I mean, this team had a ton of additions last offseason, Yet they kind of hit the ground running, and they didn't go through the same, you know, learning curve, and and you know, they had to take their lumps like some of these teams that make a bunch of additions did. They were really able to get on the same page quickly, and I think part of that is because. You know, we we kind of uh, Quinn Cook wrote an article for us at basketballnews.com about this, about how from day one, LeBron and AD and Rondo really emerged as leaders, and they spent the entire offseason working together. And a lot of the guys had played together previously. You know, Anthony Davis, Quinn Cook, Rajon Rondo, Demarcus Cousins, like those guys were all in New Orleans together. And you just had like guys that were familiar from other stints too, which helps. Um, but for whatever reason, they were able to just hit the ground running. So I, I don't know. I think. They weren't impacted by that last year, but you have to imagine that was going to be the hardest season for them just because they did have so many new players. They had tragedy to deal with. They had the bubble. Like, If anything, this season should be easier for them given everything they went through last year. It should. It should. Do you think that they're, they took a step back defensively, though? I don't know. I mean... I do think it depends on what Marcus All can bring defensively. Like I think Dwight losing right, Dwight right. No, is a problem. Sure. But you still have yes. Anthony Davis. I think Schroeder could help them there. Wes Matthews is still going to be effective. Like yes, let's say absolutely. let's say they start. Let's say like you said they start Dennis Schroeder. They start 
Marcus Saul, or no, they start Montrezl Harrell. Size wise is where I'm I'm concerned, and and that's I mean obviously Marcus Saul is Marcus Saul, but I don't know how much playing time Marcus Saul is going to get, or you know who he's going to be behind. They might be playing small. Obviously, Markeith Morris was used a lot in the bubble. Yeah. Like I just don't know the rotation. Right. So it's like hard. But even if they have, let's say they start Schroeder and Harrell, their bench is still mm-hmm. Alex Caruso, Wes Matthews, Kyle Kuzma, Markeith Morris, Marcus Saul. I mean. <laughs> It's beautiful. That's pretty impressive. I'm still going to say they have bench best, or uh, excuse me, best bench. I can't speak. Uh, and that's not even, you know, we're not even talking about they signed Alfonso McKinney, Taylor Horton Tucker they still have. Uh, and they. I'm, I'm still assuming that one I'm or two. I'm very excited about Alfonso McKinney. And I think, I think one or two vets are still going to go there. I mean, every single offseason we see this where you can go to Los Angeles play for the Lakers, be on national TV all the time, amazing weather. Now, on top of all of that, that it's always been attractive. Now, I mean, and obviously there's a lot of players that are Laker fans and from LA and that connection too. Now, on top of that, you can win a championship, play with LeBron and AD. Like, that's going to be really attractive. So I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not sure how many open roster spots they have, but it would not surprise me at all if like one or two other vets that maybe people aren't expecting to go to LA go there. Or if in middle of the season we see during like buyout season they're able to add someone that no one's expecting and they get another you know great player so i'm gonna go yes on best bench in the league um but and yeah i'm gonna go yes on championship too but again it's it's still very early it's just this team has so much talent uh and i'd imagine they'd be able to put it together with some of the pieces that they have I'm just I'm just staring down the heat, man. I'm sorry. I'm staring down the heat, and I'm just still thinking to myself, they literally are the same team. They, okay, losing Jay Crowder that's a big deal. Don't get me wrong. And and same Solomon Hill was you know big in their in their locker room. Derek Jones Jr. We know, uh, you know the the significant minutes he played in the regular season, regular season. But I'm I'm just staring them down, and I'm like, okay, you want to talk about continuity? You want to talk about a team that's going to be hungry to bring it back? Like, th- this team is still together. They- they've they've kept all the major pieces. You know, you y- you lose Jay Crowder, and you lose Solomon Hill, but you bring in Maurice Harkless, and you you bring in Avery Bradley, right? You add Precious Achua, by the way, um, somebody who probably should have been a lottery pick. In all honesty, um, another year of experience for Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, the young guys. Yeah. Exactly. See, but exactly. I got to be honest. So I'm looking at them. Though. I think Miami fans are going to be mad at me, but when I look at the Eastern Conference, like I like this Miami team, but I feel like it was really interesting circumstances that kind of led to them being in the finals. Like when I look at the top of the conference, I guess Miami's not the first team I think of as oh wow, this could be a team that really challenges the Lakers. Like I'm looking at the Bucks, and I, I don't know. I just maybe I'm doing the same thing that we all did last year and made the mistake of doing where we kind of slept on them too much. But I just, I don't know if I have Miami even in the finals again for next year, but you're right. That's fair. You're making good points though. I mean, you're kind of selling me on it. The chemistry is there. You get more experience for the young guys adding Avery Bradley and, and Mo Harkless is, is big. They kept everyone and Jimmy Butler. I mean, I, I think everyone's kind of done doubting him now, which is great. Cause uh, which they should. Yeah. Be. Duncan Robinson, such <laughs> an important piece be. for that team. They bring back, they bring back pretty much everyone that's, you know, minus Crowder uh, and Hill. So, yeah, I mean, you're making a good argument there. I just, I don't know. I, I'm not ready to say I'm going to go with Miami over a team like the Lakers with given the talent that they have. But I see we, I see your point. Yes, yes. That, that's all it is, is just 
that's been the theme of this podcast, my man. It has been continuity and and chemistry and just that that tight knit. And I think honestly, they have they've gotten they might have the best chemistry in the league. Let's just leave it there. So that and also I I think that the Lakers get it back um, to the to the finals. I don't know if oh this is hard because it's LeBron James. What is this? You're 18 now, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm not okay I'm doing so, things. So I'm also thinking in, in terms of this too, Alex. Um, and this might not matter come playoff time, but this is going to be a shortened season. The teams from the playoffs are literally going into training camp in what uh, two weeks, week and a half. So those teams, those playoff teams, are really going to be behind the eight ball early on. They, these these guys are coming right into action after what they've played like what two two months ago yeah, a month ago crazy. whatever it is like it, that is a really quick turnaround my man that is a very quick turnaround so I don't know if that affects a postseason run or, or postseason recovery whatever it may be um but I think it's also going to be kind of a an outlier so maybe that's a reason that I don't see a Lakers repeat I don't know. I got one more. I got one more buy or sell for you. James Harden gets traded by this year's trade deadline. Buy or sell? Oh boy! So he turns down the fifty million, right? Turned down the two-year fifty million dollar per year contract. Which, wow, by the way. Um, I'm going to. Mm, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, you know what? I'll sell it. I'll sell it. I think it's easy. Well, okay, I shouldn't say it's easy, but I think it's doable to repair a relationship. I do think it's doable to repair a relationship. Um, I know it's harder to trade a, a contract like Russell Westbrook's, um, but I just don't see the motivation for the Rockets to trade away their franchise, the face of that team, the face of that organization, hell, the face of that city, if you're not going to get the proper return for it. And this is where it's just a little too much for me when it comes to stars asking for preferred destinations. Go ahead and request a trade anytime you want. That's fine. I don't have to send you there. I have no, I have no incentive to send you there unless it's a good relationship like Oklahoma City did with Chris Paul. Chris Paul gave him a list of teams. Boom, they worked it out, right? Cool. If there's a sour relationship there, if there is indeed a sour relationship there, I just don't think that someone can command you where to trade them. This isn't... He's not a free agent. Yeah. You you get the best deal that you can get if you're Raphael Stone, if that happens. But, again, I think it's fixable. I think having John Lucas around there with that organization still... As an assistant under Steven Silas, I think that's a really big move. I think that he's going to play a big part of keeping him there. I think that Russell Westbrook, uh, despite you know maybe some tension, whatever it may be in the locker room, I don't know. Those are just some reports that float around. I'm not. I don't really buy too much of it, but I think Russell Westbrook's going to have a big part of keeping him there. Uh, PJ Tucker, somebody he's been to war with with a lot. You know, like just keeping that team together is going to be big. Uh, just just those core. You know, Houston Rocket players, Daniel House, another guy, um, you, you know, Eric Gordon, all those guys that have been 
in the trenches together for the last you know three four years. That's big. Uh, I think you can sell him on a new vision because there's no there's no more you know small ball anymore. Clearly, because they brought in some new guys. Um, I I just think that there's a way for this to settle. There's a way for this to to stop. You know the 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 vitriol and whatnot, and we've seen it off season after off season. You know, star player gets disgruntled, right? When is this not a storyline in any off season? It happens every year. A trade does not happen every year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sell that, but I will leave the uh, possibility that it does happen. But I, I just I don't see it. I'm going to buy it. I do agree with everything you're saying, or a lot of the things you're saying. I think that. This is a unique situation because he doesn't have free agency that's coming up. It's not like he's hitting free agency after the season where he can say, hey, you have to trade me to this team because I'm not going to re-sign with any other team. So when that happens, when a guy has that kind of power to say, I'm only going to re-sign with these squads or extend with these squads, then the other franchises are like, okay, well, we're not going to offer a whole lot because we're not going to mortgage our future for a one-year rental. And then the guy typically gets to where they want to go. Because he's under contract through 2022-23, assuming that he opts into that final year, the player option, because he's under contract for that long, I think it opens up the door for some of these teams that maybe wouldn't be able to land a James Harden-type star to acquire him and basically say, look, we know that you want to be in Brooklyn. We know you want to be in Philly, but we had an opportunity to, you know, add you and we see you as an MVP level player because obviously he's, you know, played at that level in recent years and we had to, you know, we had to take our shot and we had to try to uh, win while our window was open, our championship window. So I think what's going to happen is he's not going to end up in Brooklyn or Philly. But if you're, I, I do think if you're Houston, you can try to repair the relationship. And I went through this in Orlando with Dwight Howard and I've talked to different executives that went through it with different star players. It's very hard to repair the relationship because one thing that happened with Dwight in Orlando was, you know, they basically, they did wait. He showed up at media day after demanding a trade and they were, you know, trying to basically what they kept saying was when he was away and he was away from the organization and around like his camp, people were in his ear telling him, Oh, you should be marketed differently. You should be uh, a bigger star. Oh, you can't win there. You need to go to a big market. But then once he would be back with the franchise, they were able to repair the relationship. And he was around his teammates and around the executives and coaches, and things would start to get better. But then people would be back in his ear again, you know, over and over again. It was kind of a cycle, and they they just had the hardest time trying to repair it. Um, I think in this situation. The guys that, you know, if they still had Daryl Morey and some of the guys that Harden was close with, I, I I do agree. John Lucas is important there because he is close with Harden. I do think uh, it would be a bit easier, but when it's a new front office and new coaches uh, for the most part, you know, and, you know, all the same players aren't back, I could see him just being like, look, I don't have any allegiance to you guys. Yes, I have allegiance to this fan base and this organization, but I want to be somewhere else, so I'm going to demand a trade. And I think if it if they fail when they're trying to repair the relationship, and that can be a long couple of months where the guy is disgruntled, there's rumors every single day. I dealt with it in Orlando where national media is showing up every single day and all the players, all they're being asked about is the guy's trade demand, how he doesn't want to be there. Every day, you know, there's 
ton of media asking the guy about it. It's just a, it's a circus. It really is. And it's exhausting. So I could see the Rockets saying, look, we're going to be patient. We're hoping this is going to get better. We're going to go into the season with Harden and we're not planning to trade him. And then just over time, by the time the trade deadline's here, they're exhausted and they're thinking, okay, let's just move on. So even if it's not Brooklyn or Philly, because maybe those teams don't have the best offer, I could see them trading him to another team that is able to put together an interesting package. And again, that maybe wouldn't be able to attract stars during in free agency or, you know, basically just that leaps at the opportunity to get a guy like Harden. So I will say bye. I do think that we could see him get traded. And also one thing I will say, and there have been rumblings of this for a few months now since COVID kind of started, the Rockets more than other teams in terms of their ownership are kind of hurting financially because of everything going on. Tillman Fertitta, you know, his business is uh, greatly impacted by everything going on right now. And there were costs have been cutting. Yeah. I've noticed that too. And there were rumors that they were looking to sell off some big contracts and move some different guys and that they were telling their front office, like, Hey, you know, we're not going to be buyers. We're going to be sellers and we're going to try to get off some of our bigger deals. So if that's, in fact, what they want to do. And I, I think whenever that was being said, you know, they were talking about other players, like not necessarily star players, but just larger contracts that maybe were for role players. But if he's hurting enough and that organization is hurting enough, he has the perfect out to trade both Westbrook and Harden here and say, look, those guys didn't want to be here. We tried to make it work. We tried to repair the relationship, but it didn't work out. So we have to move both of them. We tried. And then you cut cost a ton. Because uh, both of those guys combined this year, they're going to be making $82 million, just the two of those guys. So, I mean, it would definitely cut costs and, and they'd save some money if they were to trade those guys. So, I'm, I don't know. That's just a factor to keep in mind that, you know, he is hurting and there were rumors that he was going to be trying to cut costs. You know, we saw it with D'Antoni that they, you know, were being pretty cheap. Uh, I don't know why Daryl Morey left, but I think he was frustrated with Tillman. That's just a thought and something that, you know, uh, wouldn't surprise me if that were the case. So I don't know. There's a lot of factors here. I could see Harden getting traded. I don't know if it'll be to Brooklyn or Philly, but I could see him getting traded by the deadline. Um, but I think that's going to be one of the more interesting situations to watch as the season kind of progresses. Yeah, Nikias said the the Hawks would be somebody to look for <laughs> on one of our live streams, and I said I don't know if they're quite there yet. But uh, if you're talking about assembling a package and getting assets over time. That's that's the possibility. But again, uh, opposite of your opinion, I'm going to go ahead and sell that. Well, awesome. This has been fun, man. Uh, again, it's been a crazy week in the NBA. I would I do want to say I appreciate everything you've been doing. You've been you know awesome as far as updating the site and posting these different headlines and making sure all the latest news is on basketballnews.com. We have an awesome off-season tracker that keeps track of every single move that happens, whether it's a free agent signing or trade or anything. It's it's amazing. Uh, Kelsey, O'Brien, and Spencer have been doing a fantastic job updating it. We also have uh, all of the latest news on the site on our headline section. Uh, Jonathan Conkool and Ethan Fuller have been crushing it there. And then, yeah, we're trying to provide, you know, interesting analysis of all these different moves. Uh, for, it's, it's crazy to think of, but uh, training camps start in less than a week. <laughs> So, I mean, uh, things are just going to, yeah, things are going to keep moving pretty quickly, but uh, it's been a lot of fun and we have some great content over at basketballnews.com. So make sure to check it out. And uh, we're going to keep, you know, putting out exclusive interviews and in-depth analysis and podcasts. Uh, Again, we have some big names to announce in the coming days. So be sure to keep an eye out for that as well. And keep checking out our podcast page at basketballnews.com. And Spencer, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. 
Of course, man. Hopefully next time we do this, we can uh, do do one more personally when it's not off season and everyone's trying to think about rumors. Yeah, you got to come back on soon for sure. Uh, I, I think this time of year is so exciting just because there's always, you know, things to talk about when it comes to player movement. But yeah, you got to come on when the season's uh, going on too. Also, make sure to follow Spencer on Twitter at Spin Davies. Follow me at AlexKennedyNBA and follow Basketball News as well on Twitter, Facebook, and every social media platform. If you want to hear more episodes of this podcast, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, thanks for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by Greensupply.com. With everything going on in the world, it's more important than ever to stay safe. At Greensupply.com, you can purchase masks, hand sanitizer, and other important health and wellness products, which are all in stock with same-day shipping. Best of all, listeners get 10% off their order when you use the promo code ALEX at checkout. That's A-L-E-X for 10% off your order. They have KN95 masks, cloth masks, hand sanitizer, and other supplies like forehead thermometers and UV boxes. Visit Greensupply.com today. That's Greensupply.com.